Speaking of Christmas, today starts Advent, which is around the world. Uh, People are celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ. There are 2.3 billion Christians in the world, and today starts Advent throughout the world. And Advent is simply, it simply means coming. So we are remembering the coming of Jesus, and actually Christmas starts on Christmas Eve and goes for 12 days. I think sometimes in America we got it backwards. We're celebrating Christmas now when it actually needs to be celebrated later, and we should focus on the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ. Do you know why we need to focus on the coming of Christ? Because he did come 2,000 years ago, but he's also going to come again any day. Amen? And so... Uh, So we're going to celebrate Advent, but we're going to go ahead and do the tradition and remember Christmas and sing our Christmas songs and preach our sermons and get prepared for what God wants to do in our heart. Amen. So we're going to start a new sermon series today called, I didn't know that was in the Christmas story. I didn't know that was in the Christmas story. Would you pay attention to the screens behind me? Christmas season is here. That time of year where we spend time with family and friends and we, we exchange gifts, we eat delicious treats, and we, we cozy up and watch holiday movies with a cup of hot chocolate. It's also more importantly that time of the year where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the coming of the Christ, when the Word of God took on flesh, the incarnation. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And while many of us are quite acquainted with this glorious story, there's a lot of details that we overlook simply because it's so familiar. For example, did you know that Mary and Joseph had to travel 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the census? I mean, ladies, can you imagine being 10 months pregnant and having to travel 90 miles on the back of an animal? No way. Or did you know that Jesus was a perfect seven pounds, zero ounces? Just kidding. I have no idea how much Jesus weighed. But I do know this. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving into the story and taking a closer look. And we hope you leave these services saying something like this. I didn't know that about the Christmas story. And we hope that these newfound revelations about the birth of Christ will transform you from the inside out. So, come, let's celebrate the birth of Jesus. Amen. Everybody shout, I didn't know that was in the Christmas story. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I didn't know that was in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter number 1, and beginning with verse number 18, listen to the words of St. Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. 
But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the Lord, through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I didn't know that was in the Christmas story. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you that you are here today. We thank you for your presence that we have already sensed. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts, that we would hear your word, and your word would go forth in power and in boldness. And everyone shouted a great big. Now, if you went to church for any length of time, or if you've been raised in church, or if you have been around church, I'm sure you have heard the Christmas story. I'm sure you have either either heard it, you've read about the story, and some of you have even seen the story depicted in musicals, in plays, in pageants. It's something that we do every year. We hear the same story. The same story proclaimed from the pulpits of America and around the world. How God became a human and gave his life for the world. It is a familiar story for the most part. Now, it's a powerful story, but yet it is very familiar because we hear it often. And I believe that sometimes when something becomes so familiar to us, we can lose the details in the story. We can hear it so often and read about it, listen to it, and see it so often that sometimes it's possible that we lose the details in the story. And that's what I would like to do for the next few weeks in this Christmas season, this Advent season. I want us to look at the Christmas story or the stories that surround the Christmas story. And I want us to look at it very closely with a magnifying glass and let us see the details that is engraved in the story. And hopefully, throughout the next couple weeks, you will leave church saying, I didn't know that was in the Christmas story. Now, when you think of the Christmas story, you automatically think of the Virgin Mary. When you think of the Christmas story, you think of uh, the shepherds. You think of uh, Herod. You think of the star You think of the three wise men, and you think of the manger. And oftentimes we do think of Joseph. But for a few moments this morning, I want to deal with Joseph. 
the man in the Christmas story, I think he's the man that often is overlooked in the Christmas story. We're so excited about the Virgin Mary, the shepherds, the manger, and the star, and the three wise men. Sometimes we overlook Joseph. I think that Joseph is the forgotten man in the Christmas drama. He's the forgotten man in the Christmas narrative. I promise you, if you would look closely at Joseph's life, you might find some things about his life that it can prove your life. What can we learn about Joseph this morning that maybe you've overlooked? Maybe you've read it in the story, but you didn't really read the story. I'm convinced that as a student of the Bible, that you can read the Bible year after year, but there is something about really reading the Bible and letting the Bible read you. And I appreciate you There's many of you that have started reading your Bible this year, and throughout the past few years, we have strongly promoted Bible reading every year. And I've asked you this year to read or to listen to the New Testament. My heart is overjoyed because almost every Sunday, I hear somebody saying to me, I read the New Testament, Pastor, or I listened to the New Testament, and I want to congratulate you for sticking at it. You may not be perfect, and yet there are times that you may have missed a few chapters, and maybe it went in one ear and out the other, but I'm convinced that the Bible is a living book, and that what happens inside of you is greater than what's happened to you. So congratulations for those who are dedicated and reading the Bible. I've asked you to read a book this year, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. It's really sad if you haven't picked up that book and read it. You've had 12 months of buying it and reading it. I'm asking you to challenge your mind and challenge your spirit. I'm asking you to be all that you can be for Jesus. I'm saying that the Bible is the most important book, but we can also have other tools that can help us grow in our journey. The first tool and the primary tool is the scriptures. But yet, I believe that we can use some other tools as well to help us along the journey. Thank you for being dedicated and reading the scriptures. Thank you for reading that book. And next year, I'm going to promote Bible reading again. And I'm going to also have another book of the year. Every year, as long as I'm the pastor, I'm going to promote Bible reading and a book of the year. Something that could help you along life's journey. Can I hear an amen today? Can I hear an amen today? So, Joseph, can we look closely in the Christmas story and learn about Joseph and see what uh, something about Joseph's life that can transform us. Now, when you look at the Christmas story and you look at Joseph, there's not much said about Joseph. I mean, we have very, bibli- very little biblical information about Joseph. In fact, you know, Joseph never wrote a book. Uh, he probably wasn't even really educated because the scripture calls him a carpenter. He was probably poor, because the Bible tells us that when Mary and Joseph presented Jesus in the temple, they brought turtle doves and not a lamb, which indicated their social status. They were probably poor. He he probably really never traveled outside of his homeland, 
The Bible says that he traveled to Egypt to take the Christ child. So probably he never traveled outside of his hometown. You see, there's not much that we know about Joseph. You know, the Bible doesn't even record a single word that Joseph ever said. St. Matthew is recording the narrative of the Christmas story, but St. Matthew never records a word that Joseph says. He was a religious man because we know according to verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1, the narrative tells us he was a just man. In other words, he was a righteous man. He wanted to do what was right in the sight of God. But yet, when you read throughout the synoptic gospels, you will quickly find that the last time that Joseph is mentioned is when Jesus was at the temple. He was 12 years of age. And it seems like from there, Joseph is never mentioned again. We probably assume that Joseph had died in Jesus' childhood, his teenage years. Now why? How can we gather that? Because you remember at the crucifixion, Jesus is dying on the cross, and he looks at John, one of his disciples, and he asks John from the cross, will you take care of my mother? That's a strong indication that Mary's wife, Joseph, had already passed away because Jesus was entrusting his mother to one of his disciples, not her husband, which indicates he probably had already passed away. See, there's not much known about Joseph. Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus. Joseph is like a like a, he, he is a father, but he's not the biological father. Jesus has one father. The God of the universe is his father. And the Holy Spirit came upon the virgin and she conceived. And that thing that she, the, 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 the seed that was in her womb was of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph took on the role like a, a stepfather or a foster father. He was there in Jesus's early years. Other than that, we don't know anything else about Joseph. Now we can make speculations. We can infer on the text, but really folks, that's all we know about this man. He doesn't get a lot of praise in the Christmas story. He's he's not celebrated. There is a whole denomination, a movement in the world called Catholicism which venerates the Virgin Mary and celebrates the Christmas story. But Joseph is not venerated. Joseph is not celebrated with the pomp and circumstance of of the Virgin Mary. What about Joseph that we can learn that can transform our life? You know, when you read the Christmas story, you quickly find out that Joseph finds himself in a predicament. He finds himself in a crisis. He finds himself doubting. He finds out that Mary, the woman that he loves, the story tells us that Joseph was engaged to the Virgin Mary. In fact, in Judaism, the marriage, the marriage was a process. And the very first process, the first step of the process was engagement. And usually the engagement happened for a year and it was a written agreement And the engagement was as if you were already married. Now, they wouldn't consummate the marriage until they were actually married. But the engagement was very, very, very important. It was a written document. 
So Mary and Joseph had a written document. They were engaged. In fact, Joseph was preparing his home to receive his future wife. That is why they waited for a year. Because in the Jewish culture, the man had the responsibility of preparing a home for his future wife. So even though they were engaged, Joseph was busy preparing himself and preparing a home so that when they did get married, he could bring her to his house. It's the picture of Christ and the church. Christ has went away to prepare a place for us. And one day he will return and he will receive us unto himself. Can I hear an amen? So here Joseph finds himself in a predicament. Mary comes to him and she tells him that she's pregnant. She turns up pregnant. And Joseph knows, well, it's not my baby. I'm a Jewish man. I'm a just man. I'm a righteous man. No sex outside of marriage. They were strict about that. So Joseph is a just man, a righteous man. He follows the law of God. And here is his future bride. She turns up pregnant. Now, I just want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes this morning. I'm sure immediately Joseph felt confused. He felt embarrassed. He felt angry. I'm sure there was some rage and anger involved. Joseph is battling with emotions. What, I'm wondering what he said to Mary. I really wonder what he said to her. To her. Can you just imagine, can you imagine the conflict? Joseph is saying to her, Mary, how can you do this to me? You were pledged to me. We were going to have a good life together. I'm preparing a, a home for us, Mary. How can you betray my trust? Why did you do this to me, Mary? I thought you loved me. Can you just imagine what Joseph is going through? Put yourself in his shoes. I'm reminded that as you read the scriptures and as you study the scriptures, this is one interesting thing about God. God will always put you in a crisis so that your character is revealed. He will always put you in a crisis where your character is revealed. And Joseph certainly is in a crisis In fact, maybe he is in the crisis of faith. I want you to look at three things very quickly. I want us to look at his character, number one. Number two, I want us to look at his conduct. And number three, I want us to see what we didn't see before in the Christmas story. I didn't know that was in the Christmas story. Number one, let's look at the man's character. The Bible is clear in Matthew chapter number 1, verse 19. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. I want you to pay attention to the verse. The verse says that Joseph was being a just man. Now, what does it mean that Joseph is a just man? Joseph wants to do what is right in God's eyes. He's a holy man. Now, that doesn't mean he's perfect. It just means that his heart wants to do what's right before God. Now, I want you to notice that Joseph did a few things. Number one, he, he didn't want to expose her in public disgrace. Is that what the Bible says? In verse number nine, he didn't want to make her a public example. 
Number two, he didn't want to humiliate her. And number three, he wanted to divorce her quietly. Now, my friends, this is an awesome man. Goodness, if there is a person to, to, to follow an example, it's Joseph. Besides Jesus, this, this man is demonstrating great character. This man is demonstrating great Christ-likeness. Here is a man, his character is shining through the crisis. And I want you to listen to Pastor Josh this morning. When God puts a crisis in your life, does your character shine through? What does your character reveal about the crisis that you may be in? All of you will have a crisis and some of you will fall apart. You will wring your hands. You'll say it's not worth it anymore. God is not real. The church thing is not, it doesn't work. Some people are like that. They have no root system because the crisis reveals the character of your life. And here is Joseph in a crisis. And how does he respond? See, his character is just shining through. He wanted to do what's right before God. He didn't want to humiliate her because he obviously thought she was unfaithful. He obviously believed that Mary was unfaithful. So how was he going to take care of the problem? He wasn't going to humiliate her. He wasn't going to embarrass her publicly, and he was going to divorce her secretly or quietly. My friends, that is the greatness of Joseph here. Joseph loved her even though he perceived that she had been unfaithful to him. Let me, can I just push the envelope this morning and say this? Joseph had the type of love that covers. Joseph had the type of love that covers. He, he didn't have the type of love that exposed everything. He wasn't the man to go on the streets and proclaim that his wife had an affair. No, no. He quietly kept it under wraps. He quietly protected her. He did it quietly. He loved because love has the ability to cover. Do you remember Noah? Noah was a great man of God. I mean, Noah listened to God. He built an ark for God, remember? And the Bible says that he took two by two of the animals into the ark. And the Bible says a great judgment came. A great flood came and flooded the whole earth. Eventually, Noah came out of the ark. He built an altar when he came up out of the ark. He built an altar. But guess what he did after he built the altar? He got drunk. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Isn't that the paradox of Christianity? Sometimes we can do what's right, and the next day we can do what's... He gets drunk. And guess what his sons do? One of his sons. When they saw his nakedness, some of them looked at him. Some of his sons looked at his nakedness. But one of his sons took a cloth and walked backwards to cover their father. Because, my friends, that's what love does. Love doesn't expose. Love covers. Love doesn't say what you did was right. Love doesn't applaud the sin. No, love says, I'm going to quietly cover you so that you can heal and that you can be restored instead of being in the open shame. Because it's hard to be healed when you are put to shame in the openness. So, because that's why I believe there's a difference between privacy and secrecy. 
Some things should be done privately. As long as it's not secret, some things could be done privately. See, there were two ways to divorce back then. Number one, if Joseph wanted to divorce her, he could go to the city, the city gates, where, where, there, where the judges were, the judges of the city. He could get a bill of divorce from the judge of the city, and the whole town would know. He could do it publicly. Or he could get the bill of divorce and take two witnesses with him and do it privately. And that's what Joseph wanted to do. His, his character is he's a just man. And his love was going to cover his wife. My friends, we live in a world where everybody wants to expose everybody on Facebook. We want to get up and we want to announce everybody's faults and we want to announce everybody's failures and we want to put everybody to open shame. But true love has the way to cover people so people can be restored in the grace and the mercy of God. Everything you should say in life should always be truthful, but not every truthful thing should be said. Well, we want to get up and just expose everybody's sins. But I've learned that not everybody's mature enough to handle people's sins. We are a community of brothers and sisters. Some of us are more mature in the faith. Some of us are not. And we got to use wisdom when we walk forward in spiritual maturity. You see, you see his character. Now, what about his conduct? His conduct. I, I love this because his conduct was this. Verse number 20, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Look at how he behaves, his conduct. How did he behave in this matter? And the Bible says in verse number 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So not only do you see his character, how he was a just man, how he covered her, but you see his conduct, his behavior is this. When he found out that Mary could have been unfaithful to him, the Bible says he went to, he went to think about it. He started to think about it. He begins, in other words, he begins, the Greek word for thinking here is he begins to reflect deeply. So here is Joseph. Can you just imagine Joseph, who is a carpenter? He's sitting outside in the Palestinian sun by a well, scratching his head, and he's thinking very deeply about what Mary said to him. His future wife said, honey, I'm pregnant but it's not your baby. It's God's baby. No wonder Joseph had to sit down and... How can this be? Joseph is a just man. He reads the Bible. I'm sure he picked up the Torah and he's like, I have never in my life... I don't know where I find that God can impregnate somebody. This sounds kind of fluky to me. He's sitting there thinking about it. Maybe he was thinking, reflecting, and praying. And as he was thinking, reflecting, and praying, an answer came. Can I tell you something? Some of us just needs to think again. 
Some of you like to check your minds out at the front door when you come to church, and we think that church is some sort of mystical behavior where we don't have to think about anything. We're just all caught up in the spirit all the time. But Jesus said you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. Don't check your mind out the door. Bring your mind to church, and let's talk about the scriptures. Let's reflect about the scriptures. Let's read the scriptures together. I mean, we live in a day and age you try to talk to people and they're like this. How was your day? What did you learn today? What do you want to eat? Like, my God, we're just a bunch of zombies. Nobody's thinking about anything. Praise the Lord. No emotion, no life, just... Joseph was thinking about it. It's amazing. When you start to think about things, how an answer can come. Somebody once said that the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Begin to think about it. You see, he didn't go by his emotions. Because listen, if he went by his emotions... He could have stayed in his anger and his hurt and his offense because Joseph realized that feelings are not factual. Feelings are here and feelings are there. Feelings can be a gauge, but feelings should never be a guide in your life. You should never be ruled by your feelings and your emotions. Some of us just need to think before we post stuff on Facebook, before we say something to our spouse, before we utter things that are not true. What you are saying, is it factual, is it true, or is it hearsay? Joseph had to really think about the things that were happening in his life. Here is a man that has spent the last year providing a home, building a home for his future wife. He's excited to start a Jewish family to honor God. And all of a sudden, here is a young lady whom he loves very deeply, says she's pregnant. And he knows it's not his child. His conduct is awesome. He's not only a man of character, but his conduct is he stops to think and reflect about some things. And you know what the Bible says about his conduct? Verse 24, Matthew 1, 24. Look at what the Bible says about his conduct. Again, Matthew 1, verse 24. It says that after he had the dream, after the Lord said to him in a dream, don't be afraid. Joseph, take Mary as your wife. I love this. Verse 24. He immediately, quickly, obedience. He quickly took Mary as his wife. Got up from his sleep and did what the angel of the Lord had instructed him to do. Not delayed obedience, but quickly obeyed the Lord. That's, this is a man of not only character, but of conduct here. It, he, he not only is a just man, not only did his love cover his future wife, but his conduct is this. I'm going to think about this before I walk in my emotions, before I explode. I'm going to think about this. And then when he got the answer, he quickly obeyed the Lord. My friends, this is a man that we should think about. Listen, listen. He kept quiet. I read this story. Joseph didn't go and run his mouth to everybody. He kept quiet. He kept it secret. He, 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 he took care of it privately. 
uh, Pastor Engel, it's interesting to me, and I'm not sure if we really see this, and, and this is just for the media team, this is just something extra. You don't have to go there. But it's interesting to me in Joshua chapter number 6 and verse number 10. Joshua 6 verse 10. When the Lord was giving instructions about the children of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho. Did you see what the Lord said to these people? In Joshua 6 verse 10. Look at this. It said this. Joshua chapter 6 verse 10. Now Joshua commanded the people saying, Ye shall not shout... Don't make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. In other words, we often want to shout about the balls of Jericho coming down because they blew the trumpets and shouted. But the instruction of Joshua was this. When you get to the walls of Jericho and you march around the walls of the Jericho, you need to be quiet until I tell you to shout. The reason that the walls came tumbling down in Jericho was not because they blew their trumpets and shouted, was because they were obedient to the command of Joshua. Obedience is what causes breakthrough that happens in your life. Not the shout. You can hoop and holler and shout all you want on Sunday morning and leave this building and and still be in disobedient to God's principles and precepts. It's obedience to the word that causes a breakthrough and a stay through in your life. So Joshua said, don't, don't, don't say a word, keep, keep quiet. And isn't it interesting that Joseph kept quiet, kept it quiet, dealt with it privately. Because there are some things that we need to keep it privately so the Lord can do what he needs to do. Because if Joseph would have ran his mouth, it would cause more destruction on their marriage after they got married than what it would have done before. Some people don't know how to forget things. I want you to look at the greatness of Joseph. By quickly marrying Mary, by, by Joseph quickly marrying Mary, he broke all the Jewish commandments and customs because he is marrying somebody that's pregnant. He protected Mary's reputation. She was pregnant. He wasn't the father, but he married her anyway. Number two, he did not have sex with her until after the child was born. So in other words, he kept her a virgin until Jesus was born. He protected the miracle of Jesus' conception. And number three, you know what the Bible says? The angel said, to Joseph, and you shall name him Jesus. See, when the father named a child in the Jewish custom, that meant that the father was taking ownership of the child. And the angel said to Joseph, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And when the baby was born, Joseph named him Jesus. In other words, Joseph took parental responsibility for that baby, even though it wasn't his baby. My friends, this is a great man right here. This is a great man. I love Joseph. You know why I love Joseph? Because Joseph is the epitome of what a man of God should be. Joseph is tough, And Joseph is tender. He's tough enough to think about it and pray over it and reflect over it. He's tough enough to keep his emotions in control. 
but he's tender enough to cover her. He's a man that's tough and he's a man that's tender. And what we need in America today is not sissified men, but we need men who is tender towards their families, tender towards their spouses, tender towards the church, but tough enough to weather the storm. We need tough and tender men of God. Is there anybody in the building that's made a decision, I want to be a tough man and a tender man? He was tough when he could have been weak. He was tender when he could have been harsh. He was thoughtful when he could have been hasty. He was trusting when he could have doubted. And I pause to ask this question to you today. Men, could we use the same words to describe your life? Are you tough-minded, determined to do what's right, no matter what it costs? Are you tender towards your wife and to your children? Are you thoughtful, taking time out for what is important? Are you tough enough to make the right decisions? And are you tender enough to walk the journey? Oh, it is a pull, my friends. Some people are all tender. They have no backbone. And some people are all tough. Nobody likes you because there's no sweetness about you. But a man of God has to be tough and tender. Remember what the scripture says in 1 Timothy? That the qualification of a pastor, a bishop, is to be gentle. Full of hospitality. Tough and tender. So, in closing today, what can I learn from this story? There are some things in this story I didn't know. If I had to make it all nice and neat this morning. What are some things in the story that I didn't know? Well, this is what I didn't know in the story. Number one is that you can be righteous and you could be still have doubt. The Bible says that Joseph was a just man. He was a righteous man, but yet he still doubted. I read this story over and over and it just dawned on me. You can be righteous and still doubt. Oh, my friends, doubt is not profitable, but it is possible to doubt. I want to let you know that God still uses people who are doubting. And God still uses people who doubt the journey sometimes. If you will stop and think and be reflectful, I promise you God will give you an answer in the middle of your doubt. Hallelujah. You can be righteous. And you can still doubt. Number two, there's something else I didn't see in the story that I didn't know. And that is number two, do what is right when you feel like you've been done wrong. But let me just push the envelope a little bit. When you feel like you've been done wrong, just because you feel like you've been done wrong doesn't mean you've been done wrong. Joseph thought he was done wrong, but in reality, Joseph wasn't done wrong at all. God had a bigger plan that Joseph didn't understand. He perceived he was done wrong, but in God's scheme of plan of things, God had a bigger journey and a bigger plan that Joseph didn't know. Sometimes you think you've been done wrong when in reality, your feelings are just hurt because it didn't go your way. 
Is there anybody up in this Pentecostal church that can wave your hanky and say, I didn't know that, but my spirit just said, yes. He thought he was done wrong. Some of us spend our whole life thinking everybody's against you. Well, you must be really, really inflated about yourself to think that everybody's thinking about you all the time. Wow. Feelings are not factual. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved. Sometimes I don't want to get up out of the bed. Feelings can be a gauge. Feelings are not my God. Number three, something I didn't know is this, is number three, when your emotions override your intellect, you will probably always make a bad decision. When your feelings and emotions override your intellect, you'll always make a bad decision. Boy, I'm going to tell everybody, give them a piece of my mind. Well, maybe that's why you don't have any more of your mind left because you gave too many pieces away. Can I hear an amen? Quit giving the pieces of your mind away. Your mind is a horrible thing to waste. Before, listen, before jumping the gun, you want to tell everybody off because you're mad and angry. Stop and think about it. Think about it. Don't let your emotions override your intellect. Number four, I love this point, and I had never seen this point before, but boy, it ministered to me. Number four, I want you to see this. Don't interfere in what God is trying to do in somebody else's life. Now, hold on. Where do I see that at? Now, hold on. I didn't see this before. Something I didn't know. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 25. Look at it. Matthew 1 and 25. If they could put that. Look at here. And he did not know her. And he did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son. In other words, Joseph did not interfere with what God was doing in Mary's life. And you got to make sure you don't interfere in what God is trying to do in somebody's journey. And parents are the worst at it. We want to deliver our children from all of our obstacles and hindrances. We want to make sure our children... Everybody's praised them. Everybody gets, you know, make sure Johnny gets a trophy and Susie gets a trophy and make sure our children's feelings are not heard, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes, parents, you're the greatest hindrance in your child's growth. Don't interfere in what God is trying to do. You are not called to protect them from everything. You are called to prepare them. Parents, you are raising sons and daughters of God. You are raising future apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. You're not raising the next NBA player. You're not going to raise up the next football player. You need to be raising up the next pastor and evangelists and prophets and teachers. Don't interfere with what God wants to do in somebody else's life. Number five, I love this. He had to let go and embrace change. In other words, he had to let go of the hurt, you know? He had to let go of his perception. Who in the world would ever dream that God would become a human? But Joseph had to let go of all the hurt 
He had to let go of his misconception of what God wanted to do. He had to let go of all of that and embrace change. This baby is not mine. I don't know what God is doing, but whatever God wants to do, I'm all for it. So I'm going to embrace this new season of change in my life. And my friends, it's hard to embrace change. You know why? Because it's comfortable to stay in our mess sometimes. You know, for months now, my wife was telling me, Josh, please, please change your PJs. I said, I don't want to change my PJs. I love my PJs. I've had these PJs probably for, I don't know, six, seven years. I love these PJs. And every day, Josh, please change your PJs. They look horrible. What if somebody comes to the house and you got these PJs? I love, you know why I love these PJs? Because they feel comfortable. I mean, there's holes everywhere. Maybe that's why she wanted me to change the PJs, you know? But I love these PJs. A lot of time that I could eat my Captain Crunch and watch my cold case files, and I love these PJs. And one day she came home and she said, Josh... Let's embrace change, baby. And let me get you a new pair of PJs. Let's do away with the old PJs. My friends, God wants to move in your life, but some of you are used to the drama and the trauma, and you can't see any way out of it because it's been this way for years. All of us need to change. Now, this picture I'm getting ready to show you is when I was 23 years old. I'm so glad I changed. Put that picture up there. Y'all. I'm so glad that I changed. Y'all know I, I, look, I, I look like a KJV Bible thumper right there. <laughs> you ain't going to mess with me now. <laughs> I'm going to take the whip and whip you out of the God's house, you know? I just started pastoring. Boy, I had the look, didn't I? I showed this to one of our youth. They said, Pastor, where did you get those glasses at? My point is this. God had a great plan for Joseph, but if he, if he was to remain in his own perception of how things should be, because it felt comfortable, he would have just divorced her. But God was getting ready to do something in Joseph's life. And what Joseph felt to realize that after 2,000 years, we're talking about Joseph, talking about Mary, because God had a glorious plan. I don't know about you, but I just didn't know some of these things in the Christmas story. I hope you come back next week because I got something else to tell you I didn't know.